Hello, and welcome to Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. This podcast series tackles topics geared towards young and beginning producers. Each episode, we invite farm credit and ag industry experts to share their insights on financial management, business outlooks, transition planning, and more. I'm your host, Rebecca Shively. In this episode, we're recapping key takeaways from our Balance Sheet Best Practices webinar, presented by Nick Bauer, a financial services officer serving Southeast Nebraska, and Kevin Hicks, a credit operations analyst out of Omaha. Join us as Nick and Kevin share best practices when it comes to building your balance sheet. Kevin, take it away. I think that balance sheets are a critical part of our operations. And I think that the fact that you're here joining us today to learn about these balance sheets tells us something about how important that balance sheets are to you and that you recognize how important they are to their operations. So I want to take a second thank you to say that your commitment to your operation says a lot, and hopefully you will get something out of our presentation today. So what is a balance sheet? Our balance sheets reflect our assets and liabilities. They're really a reflection of the health of your operation. If we think about a balance sheet, it reflects those assets and liabilities as snapshot on a particular day. That tells us a lot about what's happened in the operation up to that point. If we think about a balance sheet as being one part of the financial statements that you prepare in the normal course of your operation, we would have a balance sheet, we would have an income statement, and you may have a cash flow. The balance sheet's that snapshot. The income statement kind of tells us about the journey you take between those snapshots. And so what's important to us about that balance sheet is it's kind of almost like getting a checkup with your doctor. It tells us what's changed. How are you doing? Those visits with your doctor might be, you know, what's your cholesterol count or what's your weight or, you know, how is this working out for you? How is that working out? And your balance sheet's not much different. We're going to look at those balance sheets and it's going to give us an insight into how have things progressed or what challenges you may have had from one year to the next. To build on that, what Kevin just told you, tell us how your operation is changing over time. One thing to try to be consistent with is completing a balance sheet at this, around the same time every year. Just to use a grain operation as an example, try to do it post-harvest when you when the bushels are in the bin or when they're stored, not when they're out in the field, because the information can be so much more accurate, it'll provide you more value as well. Absolutely. And just like if you have a cow-calf operation, we'd be looking for when you have calves on the ground. It gives us a better idea about you know, how things are going. Remember that since that balance sheet really is a reflection of your operation, take that balance sheet at a time that's good for you. You know, don't, don't do it in a pre-harvest if you can. You can wait until post-harvest. Real quick, Kevin, if I could also just point out how it's changing over time. Do that balance sheet consistently the same time period. And then when you look at the end result every year, it's going to point you in the direction your operation's moving. Are you building equity? Are you building liquid reserves? You know, that's kind of like the scoreboard in agriculture, if you will. The results of that balance sheet for one year to the next is telling you, are you, are you winning or do you need to make some adjustments headed into the next year? When we talk about assets, liabilities, we generally at Farm Credit break them down into current and non-current categories. You may uh, deal with other banks that use other terminology, but basically current is going to be anything that you can convert in 12 months. And when we say convert, it's either going to be converted into uh, cash and or consumed by the operation. So any prepaids that you may have, seed, chemicals, fuel, those types of things are going to be current. And then your non-current assets and liabilities are those things that assets you're holding on to for more than 12 months, 
or those liabilities that are going to be paid back over a, a longer length of time. And one thing I try to advise customers on when you're putting this together, keep in mind, we're going to ask you a lot of questions when we're building this balance sheet. We're not asking those questions because we're trying to determine what we're going to use as collateral for your loan. Uh, we just want to make sure we accurately reflect what you've built over time, what your operation truly consists of. So some people might have a tendency to not list everything, but I would advise you to to list everything you've acquired because it, it helps tell the story of, of your business. Absolutely. So if we look at what's in our current assets here, cash is going to be things like your checking and savings accounts. So really think about, are we are you reflecting personal accounts? Do you have a separate account possibly for a farm operation or entity? Marketable bonds and securities. These are usually stocks and bonds. Typically, if we're going to have them in current, is we're not looking at them as retirement accounts or uh, some type of saving or long-term investment that you're using for other purposes. If we're showing them up in current assets, we would hope that they are those types of investments that you would be willing to liquidate if need be, or that are easily liquidatable. This is probably one of those that you really need to share with your financial officers when you're making your balance sheets and, and come to an understanding about what the purpose of these types of accounts are. Exactly, Kevin. You know, I, I like to think of, if you look at the non-current assets, that's kind of the factory, if you will. Those are, those are the assets that you are going to use year in and year out to help produce the widgets that you're going to sell which are more your current assets. You know, again, be as detailed as possible. For instance, if you're going through crop inventory and you have so many bushels sold at X price, or you have a basis contract on so many bushels, let us know that. Otherwise, we're gonna value things as of the market as of the date of that statement. But if you did some good pre-selling, let's itemize that out so it reflects some of those good decisions you made throughout the year. On some of your receivables, if you're still owed some money for maybe some custom work you did, let's make sure we include that because that's money that'll be coming in in the next six to 12 months. Absolutely. And on that note about accounts receivable, you know, do you have rent checks that are coming in? Remember that we want to look at your operation holistically. If you have maybe a rental property, a rental house that you have some rent checks coming in from, be sure to include those because we want to look at the whole uh, and not just one part of that operation. Yeah, I've had examples where customers will come in to complete their balance sheet, and before they come back to my office, they'll bring a check-in to put against their line of credit. Make sure you tell your officer that you did that, because when they when your officer pulls your account balance, it might not reflect that you brought in 10000 of of grain checks. So make sure that gets accurately reflected, whether it's on your line of credit balance or a receivable that you did just bring in. So just a kind of a, a tip I've, I've learned over the years. The commodity trading accounts, so if you have any type of hedging account, we'd like you to be sure to share that with us as well. Nick kind of talked about market livestock and feeding grain inventories, and I would absolutely second you know, what he has said is, be sure to let us know if you have contracted prices on those and make sure that you're getting as accurate as possible uh, with the numbers that you're providing us, whether it's quantity or pricing. Prepaids, again, be sure that you're capturing everything. And I guess the, the biggest takeaway, particularly with current assets, is uh, detailed record keeping. Don't try to, uh, you know, the night before a meeting with your financial officer, throw together a balance sheet. 
you know, a, a good quality balance sheet, you're essentially, as part of your normal record keeping, you should be monitoring most of these things. Don't try to just put together these numbers overnight. That's a very good point. You should really focus on this really throughout the year, to be quite honest. This shouldn't be a one-time-a-year project that you just try to slap together at 10 p.m. before your 8.30 meeting tomorrow. It doesn't work for cramming for a test, and it doesn't work for cramming for a balance sheet, basically. So if you happen particularly to take a balance sheet at a time of year where you may have crop planted in the ground, you haven't harvested yet, be sure to capture those cash inputs that you already have in the field. Otherwise, you're going to be missing that part of your current assets and you more likely than not have a current liability that's already on your balance sheet reflecting those purchases. So be sure to capture those. If we look at non-current assets, for the bulk, I absolutely agree with Nick about his analogy that these are your factory pieces. So you know, this is the machinery and equipment, vehicles, everything that goes into producing whatever it is that is your operation. The big one, I think, between vehicles and machinery and equipment, we see a lot of people who will include uh, semi-tractors and semi-trailers in their machinery equipment list. They do belong in vehicles. Generally, anything that has a title, we're going to put in vehicles and everything else we're going to put in machinery and equipment. The other suggestion we would have for you here is don't spend a bunch of time trying to get updated prices on machinery and equipment, particularly every year. When you do that first balance sheet, get some good prices on there and essentially kind of stick with those as you do purchases and do sales. You'll have an idea of what you get, obviously, for both, what you're spending and what you're getting at trade-ins. Record all of that, share that with us. That'll go on your balance sheet as well. In, in addition to that is, you know, every year we're going to ask, did you buy any machinery and equipment? Did you sell any machinery and equipment? Same for vehicles, same for breeding livestock, buildings improvements, real estate. As part of your record keeping, like we mentioned under current assets, keep a good running total of the stuff you bought and sold and the prices you paid for it. And if you put cash into those purchases, or maybe you paid 100% cash, or maybe you borrowed a little bit of money through some dealer financing. Keep good inventory of all that and provide it to your financial officer when you meet. Because again, that's all just good data that helps us put together the best statement we can for you. And probably it's the, the one thing that is the most critical when we're looking at year to year are those types of changes, those capital investment changes that you have and capturing good records on that because it really is a, a big impact uh, when we think about the dollar amounts that are generally associated with those capital investments, they're a big part of your operation. Yeah, that's a big investment on your part. Let's make sure you get proper credit for it when we compile your statement. Absolutely. Breeding livestock. So these are going to be the livestock animals that you're keeping around. And like Nick said, they're your factories. They're producing your widgets. Be sure to give your financial officers good records about if you had any purchases of new breeding livestock, because this is, again, just like all the other capital investments, is something that should be part of your balance sheet. Buildings and improvements, we like to see your grain bins, your pivots, tiling work, uh, any types of outbuildings, finishing facilities, feedlot, all of those types of items is what would go into the building and improvement categories on your balance sheet. In contrast, real estate, we generally like to see either just bare ground prices. That would also be where your primary residence or any residence that you own would go in there. Buildings and improvements would also capture any types of commercial structures you may own. So if you have another side business, 
or if you have a rental property, those would also go into buildings and improvements. With real estate and buildings and improvements, I would give you kind of the same piece of advice that we talked about but with machinery and equipment is try to find good market values for that first balance sheet that you fill out. And then, you know, only adjust those real estate values when you start to see changes in your real estate market. It may not be necessary to change them on an annual basis, or it may be depending on the area that you live in. Yeah, that's a really good point. Don't try to guess the values of that stuff year to year. The more consistent you can leave it, just helps your balance sheet trend from year to year be that much more accurate. You know, I always like to tell people that I work with on real estate, for example, we can put it at a thousand an acre or 10,000 an acre. It really doesn't matter unless it's for sale. And a lot of times those assets down there under non-current, they're, they're part of the factory. They're not, they're not something you're looking to turn. So I'm comfortable with putting it at a, what I call a conservative market value for those assets. Absolutely. And, and Nick's got a point is, you know, that's another reason why we're so concerned about sales from those categories is if you're, you know, removing acres from production or removing livestock from production is, you know, how are we replacing that? On the liability side, the current versus non-current, uh, the definitions essentially stay the same. So accounts payable, we should be seeing things like if you have maybe bills for repairs, could be for feed expense. Essentially, those liabilities that really don't have a defined term or that you don't have a loan on, that it's just a bill that you have coming due. Operating loans. So these are going to be your lines of credit. Maybe you have a budget note or a seed and chemical note. Those would be the operating loans. Outstanding drafts and checks. So this should be drafts and checks, typically against either your line of credit. Could also be that if you have written a check for another purchase, like Nick mentioned about telling us about checks that you're dropping off at the office when you come in, be sure to mention any checks that you have written out there that may not be reflected on your balances yet. So if you know that you've made a significant purchase and it isn't reflected yet, be sure to share that. That's a really good point, Kevin. Keep in mind too that all along those same lines, maybe you're showing an asset as a prepaid expense for some fertilizer, but the check or the draft you wrote for that fertilizer has not yet hit your line of credit or your account. Let us know about that so we can get the most accurate statement possible put together for you. It goes right with the name, you know, balance sheet is there should be a balance between these two things of assets and liabilities. And typically, if we're adding one, there should be something on the other side of this balance sheet that is going to bring us back to even. Credit card debt, I would say, is important uh, in the sense that you need to let us have an idea of how much credit card debt you have. Uh, even if you're revolving on that credit card debt where you're you're taking it out and paying it down, it's still important to share that information with us. Yeah. And if you have a line of credit with us and we're doing this balance sheet for renewal or you're applying for another loan of some type, keep in mind, we're going to run a credit bureau pretty close to the date of the statement or the date we're doing the application. So if you have some other loans out there that weren't reflected or there's some credit card balance that wasn't reflected, just report it up front. We're going to ask you about it later. So if you can just keep it out there, it just helps create the best statement for you. For our non-credit liabilities, so these are going to be those liabilities that were going to be on the balance sheet for you know more than one year. So term loans, Typically, term loans are going to be like your machinery and equipment loans, vehicle loans, could be breeding livestock loans. Generally, the, the type of loan 
usually goes with the life expectancy of the asset that was financed. So term loan is usually somewhere between five to 10 years in length. If we think about in a, a real estate loan, typically is you know anywhere from five to 30 years in length. The, the lifespan of that real estate is way longer than lifespan of the vehicles or any of the equipment that we buy. So we're not going to be doing you know a 30-year note on a piece of equipment. Typically, we don't see a lot of five or less year real estate notes that people are requesting either. So if you're ever wondering about which category you should use or, or which one you should select, that's usually how we define those. Leases, I would say, is a, kind of a big one. Uh, over the last couple of years, professional accountants have started reflecting more leases because in their industry, they're required to now. Farm Credit's policy on this has always been to reflect all leases all the time. So if you have any leases on equipment or buildings, be sure to share those with us as well. And if you have a contract for deed, any contract for deed that you might have on ground, uh, be sure to share those details with us. And that should be part of your balance sheet as well. Yep. Again, just all the de- all the details you can share around those loans or those contracts or your leases, let us know so we can get it set up correctly. So we've basically covered what a kind of a generic basic balance sheet looks like. And it always seems so easy when we cover this. And yet I think when we sit down to do them, they feel a lot more difficult or they're harder to do. But I, again, I, I'm just going to go back and say, I think a lot of it has to do with that solid record keeping about what you're going to capture, and what you're going to be putting on your balance sheets. And I found if you take the time to create a balance sheet the first time and it's really, really accurate, it's really, really good. When you go to create one the following year, again, around that same time period, it's going to be so much easier the second go around because you have everything to reflect on that you did the previous year. So you'll kind of know, are the loan balances reflect the payment off? Did you add any assets? Let's get those on there. Trust me, it'll be so much easier the next year. Just commit to getting the the first one done correctly. I would even share that even within farm credit, it's it's really no different. You know, we try to put as much detail about your financials in that first year for the same purposes. Every year that we deal with you after that, it just gets quicker and quicker, and it's easier for us to to see the changes and what else is going on. Kevin, anything you want to talk about that what does not go on a balance sheet? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, household goods. I would say would be the first one right off the top of my head. And that is furniture, appliances. Uh, you might have a gun collection. You might have a stamp collection. Those types of things, wonderful to have. And obviously you do have an investment in them, but we don't put them on our balance sheets. Kevin looks at millions of balance sheets a year. What's the wildest thing you, you, you've seen on a statement? I don't know about wild. I've Maybe unusual. I, I've seen Hot Wheels collections, Hot Wheel cars, uh, GI Joes, Barbies, Civil War uniforms. I've yeah. seen that on a balance sheet before. All well and good, and it, it's really interesting to see. But unfortunately, we can't do much with those. Exactly. I would also maybe uh, jewelry. You know, another one that you might have quite a bit of money invested in, but we can't help you with that. One thing we can take though is if you do have any kind of precious metals, so if you have an investment in gold or silver or something like that, if you will provide us the number of ounces that you have, we can give you a value for that. Uh, We would ask that you not give us like the value of coins because again, that's essentially a collectible. 
but if but we can give you commodity pricing on precious metals. So Nick, we actually have a couple of questions. Should I be using my balance sheet to make purchasing decisions or is there a better tool to use? I would say yes, you should use your balance sheet to use for purchasing decisions, mainly just to see if it's a big investment, say like a, a piece of real estate. Well, what sort of impact does that real estate, both the asset and the liability have on your balance sheet? That would be probably the biggest example you know, one ratio we look at is your liquidity or your working capital. Uh, what are these purchases? What sort of impact does it have on those ratios? If I was a producer, I would want to know the impact that that potentially could have. You know, you can take that information from your balance sheet and then plug it into your cash flow. What does that look like? Can you afford the annual payment? And what impact does it have on your balance sheet? So yeah, that's a really good question. And you know, I'd say the answer is your, both your balance sheet and your cash flow. I would say I've been lucky enough to hear Nick and some other people at the office talk about this topic. And one of the things that I've heard them talk about that I would bring up here too is when you start using these tools to make these types of decisions, it kind of gets you thinking about, okay, so if I spend this money on this asset, what does that asset bring back to my operation? Is this asset going to bring more income in? Is it going to help me produce those widgets that we've been talking about? Or is this just going to be an asset that is something maybe convenient or that I want to have as opposed to, you know, what's it doing for my operation beyond being an asset and a liability on my balance sheet? Yeah. Do you revalue machinery yearly depending upon the market values? No. <laughs> I can't stress enough. No. Uh, typically, what we want to see is once you provide us a machinery and equipment list, uh, we use our own depreciation values. And so we're going to depreciate that piece of equipment as long as you're showing it in your operation on a consistent basis year in, year out. You may recognize some gain from that if you're able to sell that piece of equipment for possibly more than what we're valuing it at. But think about it as that's just kind of bonus that if you're able to do that, that's fantastic. You know, Nick has kind of talked about this a little bit is, is keeping the numbers reasonable on your balance sheet because you're not hopefully in the market to be selling everything that's in that machinery and equipment list. You're going to get the value in one form or another when the time comes for you to sell that piece of equipment. So I would just be patient on those. Yep. I think just again, the consistency will definitely put it in there. What you buy it for, if you're holding it for year over year, let's just take a little appreciation off. Let's don't try to guess the market. Cause again, that just skews what the information is telling us. So how do I know if my balance sheet is healthy and will my officer tell me? Yeah. Kevin used the analogy of using your balance sheet as your kind of your report from your doctor and very, very true. We could go way deep into talking about the different ratios that we pull from a balance sheet and how they're important to you. And I guess what I'd tell you is after you complete it and we've you know exhausted it and gone through it and, and it's as accurate as we think we can get it. If your officer doesn't do it for you, ask them, tell them you want to go over it. You want to know what they're seeing. Maybe what are areas you could approve upon, you know, maybe do some goal setting from today to the next year of what parts of your balance sheet you want to improve. So definitely if your officer doesn't willingly go through it with you on the spot, ask them for that feedback. That is what we're here for. And I think that's what separates us from other institutions is we'll go the extra mile with that information for you. As an officer, do you think it's better if a customer can have their balance sheet completed and send it to you before they meet with you, or would you rather uh, meet with them? I guess I would say 
get all the information together ahead of time. If you don't want to completely build it, that's fine, but bring all the necessary information so that can be constructed really quickly. And the reason I say that is then if you're in the office for an hour, if you bring all the information to the table and you're prepared with your purchases, your sales, your new loans, all your inventories, it might take 20 minutes to put that balance sheet together. And so then the next 40 minutes, we can spend going through it and talking about how healthy is it? What improvements could you make? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? But if we got to take 50 minutes to build it and I got to ask you question after question to make sure we get it all, that doesn't leave a lot of time to actually return the value to you as the producer. And I don't know if now is a good time to get into it, but I would throw a challenge out there to everybody. When you go to meet with your financial officer, either have your balance sheet built or have everything ready to build it like I just talked about and bring that to the office to meet with your officer. You're going to see a big return on your time invested with the feedback and direction your officer provides you. And you can translate some of that 20 minutes you otherwise would have spent building it with your officer to getting an extra 10, 15 minutes of time discussing financials instead of just building that balance sheet. Exactly. Let's make the best use of that time investing in your operation, not just putting this together because we have to. I'd like to circle back to the original part of the question about whether my balance sheet was healthy. I would say just from a credit standpoint, we get this question a lot is, you know, what's a good number for this or what's a good number for that? I always tell people there is no magic number. There's no one thing that you're going to look at and know I'm okay or I'm not okay. I would say don't get trapped into thinking that there's just one ratio or there's just one number that we're looking at. We are looking at all kinds of things and we're looking at them together. And what might be good numbers for your neighbor may be bad numbers for you. And good numbers for you may be bad numbers for your neighbor. I, I wouldn't get too wrapped up one way or another with that. Uh, this is part of that discussion you need to be having with your officer and really understanding your operation and your financials. Yep, that's very, very true, Kevin. What's the biggest mistake you see when it comes to putting together a balance sheet? I'll give my two cents on that. Being a little too aggressive on some of your values of, of certain assets would be one. Um, again, I'd use that conservative market value. Because again, unless it's for sale, it, it doesn't matter, especially on your long-term asset side. And probably the other thing I, I see a lot is just getting everything listed, both on the asset and the liability side. If you can capture it all, at that time, I think in the long run, you're, you're going to be better off. I would say the biggest mistake I see is just items not captured, that we had a purchase or we were reflecting the purchase, but we're not reflecting the liability that was associated with it. The other thing I would maybe uh, suggest is uh, consistency in what you call things from one balance sheet to the next. Because we do occasionally see some customers who go from a, like land they might be using a legal description of the land one year, and then next year they call it dad's track or they call it Bob's track. And we're not 100% sure whether that's the same thing or not. So consistency in, in filling those out as well, I think goes a long way. Yeah, great advice there. How should I handle gifts and inheritance for my parents? That is definitely something we need to know about because it has a typically a significant impact, usually in capital purchases, whether it's you were provided a gift of cash that maybe helped you make a purchase, or you were actually just given the asset to begin with. 
Uh, something else to keep in mind with gifts and inheritance, I would say from uh, the credit team side, a lot of times you may have to incur some additional taxes or liabilities as part of that inheritance. So be sure to capture those and share that information with us as well. Yeah, I think even a common one to keep in mind is maybe you're even offered a farm from your dad or grandpa. The farm is worth $100,000, but you only had to pay 50 for it. Let us know the details behind that. And vice versa, if you happen to be the one kind enough to give the gift, let us know that as well. Yeah, that's, forget, there's two sides to it. Uh, what about complex operations with other family members? So I will give you the advice my dad always gave me was never going to business with your family. Now, what we always tell people, I would say you've got to be very open about those because it will have an impact on pretty much everything. And the big part there is, I mean, we all know, you know, agriculture is a family business and you're going to most likely be doing business with your family. If you and your dad or you and your brother or whatever the situation is own an asset 50-50, put that on your financial statement. Case tractor, 50% with dad, and then just list your value of that, your, your half. And same thing as if you guys are buying a tractor together and maybe your dad or mom are using cash to buy it, you have to borrow. Or if you're both taking out a loan, just make sure you reflect your portion of the loan so we know that. I'm going to throw out an example I actually had this just this week is we had a customer who does cattle feeding and didn't show any feed on their balance sheet. And it turns out that they're reflecting cattle on their balance sheet, but their family members are reflecting the feed. So that's a classic example of where sometimes we get wires crossed about what we're uh, showing and maybe what we're missing. I guess as we, before we kick it back to Rebecca to officially wrap up again, I just want to say thank you. And again, just keep in that, keep in mind that challenge I threw out there, really try to get your balance sheet prepared before even your financial officer asks for it, you know, really try to wow them and ask them to go over that balance sheet with you. It's going to pay dividends in the long run. The more you invest in understanding your balance sheet and your other financial tools, it'll pay dividends down the line. So that's what I'd close with. Kevin, you got anything? I would say that I think going forward, the thing that's going to separate operations is the understanding of the financial side of the business. And that most people understand the production side of the business and the better grasp you get on the financial side, the better off you will be. Thanks to Kevin and Nick for taking time to share their expertise with us. And thanks to you for tuning into this episode of Side by Side Digital brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. For more information or to watch the full webinar and other educational content, visit fcsamerica.com slash sxsdigital. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to another episode of Side by Side Digital. Side by Side Digital is a production of Farm Credit Services of America. Farm Credit Services of America is a financial cooperative owned and governed by the customers we serve with a singular focus on supporting rural communities in agriculture. To learn more, visit fcsamerica.com. Agriculture works here.